Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, back to Women Who Code Radio. We're at episode number two, uh, and I am extremely excited. We have a guest, uh, Debbie Meredith, who has been a long-term powerhouse in high-tech industry. Uh, Debbie brings more than 20 years of experience managing product engineering teams and bringing new technologies to market. Currently, she's working with Icon Ventures as a venture partner. She also serves on the board of directors with Patients with Power and serves as a trustee of the Computer History Museum. Uh, earlier in her career, Debbie held a variety of technical and general management positions at American Online, Netscape, uh, including Vice President of Strategic Technologies and Products, Vice President of Browser Products, and Chief Quality Officer. Prior to Netscape, she was Vice President of Engineering for Collabor Software and Vice President of Development at Slate Corporation. Debbie also held key technical positions at Metaphor Computing, Computer Systems, Logitech, and the always exciting Bell Laboratories. Debbie earned a master's degree in computer science from Stanford University. Go Cardinal. And she received her undergraduate degree in both computer science and mathematics from the University of Michigan. So I think the first thing that we can say is that, uh, Debbie, you are not an underachiever. <laughs> well, neither are you, Tara, neither are you. <laughs> so let's let's start a little bit with the education. So your educational history, you have a lot of it. You had you double majored, sounds like, and then the master's right. degree. Um, you know, without going into specifics around timeline, we'll not out any ages here, but uh, at the time, how many women were in your various uh, programs? I imagine, at, you know, that there was probably not a huge percentage, but maybe there was, I don't know. No, there, you know, sadly, sadly, there were not. Um, it, you know, um, one, two, three, it was always a handful, and it was, um, you know, the professor always knew if I wasn't in class, but if a random guy wasn't there, nobody knew, you know? <laughs> Oh man, so it was, I hadn't uh, thought of it that way. Yes, it was funny. It was funny, but um, yeah, I mean, the way that I, I sort of got into um, it, computer science, I guess, if you will, you know, I um, I came into University of Michigan. Go blue, by the way. In addition to go Cardinal, right? Got to put that plug in. Right, go blue. Um, <laughs> I was pre med, right? Because um, you know, I oh, was wow. a, a smart. I was a smart kid, right? I was valedictorian and you know, good, smart people were supposed to be in um, medicine, right? That was one of the things. And so I started out as pre-med, but then discovered, yeah, I don't know, blood wasn't really my thing, um, <laughs> but I was always good at math. So um, I took a lot of math classes and I enjoyed them. You know, they were fun, solving problems and X's and Y's and proofs and cool stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I looked around and really in the math classes, it was almost all guys other than the more undergraduate classes, right, where, you know, there were a fair amount of women in calculus classes and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, most of my peers were guys, you know, maybe back then not to be disparaging, but not a lot of bathing all the time. And, um, you know, they just weren't, I, I couldn't see myself being one of them, right? You know, I'm, I was thinking, what am I going to be when I grow up if I stay in math? I can't see myself being a math professor. It just, you know, I, I don't know. So I, I took a computer science class and I loved that, right? It was like, wow, this is like math. It's logical and it's problem solving, but it's even easier and it's super cool, right? So um, that's kind of how I decided to, uh, to double major. And indeed, right, the... Um, you know, as the saying goes, I mean, again, uh, to be kind in a way, um, I, I've only heard this saying recently, um, you know, in computer science, if you're a woman and, you know, the odds are good if you're looking for a man, but the goods are odd. 
But and um, <laughs> it, I had never heard that until I think one of my daughters told me that. But again, you, you know, know I've never heard that one either. That is, yeah, I guess um, a lot of people have, but um, so uh, uh, mostly men in the computer science classes as well, but I did have one uh, woman professor. Uh, I took a graduate level class, you know, a couple of them, right, as people often do uh, when I was undergrad, and and she was really inspirational. I was like, wow, you know, I, I can see myself, you know, a little bit more like this woman, and she was a woman, and she seemed to take a bit of an interest in me. I remember uh, towards the end of the class, you know, she invited me out to lunch, and that was, was super cool. Um, and then there was a particular um, man who I think was a, a role model when I was in college who really convinced me that, uh, you know, I should stay in computer science. He was a visiting professor. He was actually... Um, from Hewlett Packard, and he was sort of a guest professor at University of Michigan because his wife was, I think, finishing her PhD there. And he was a normal guy, right? He, he was, I was like, wow. So, he, so um, he did things. Yes, yes, he did, and he, I mean, he was articulate, and um, you know, uh, really made me feel like, uh, you know, I could, I could be a computer scientist or a software engineer, and. Uh, you know, there were some people out there that were, you know, that were my people, I guess, <laughs> but that, that's kind of a long-winded way of, uh, I guess, how I got into uh, math and computer science. That's awesome. Were there any sort of standout events in either uh, of your either undergraduate or graduate programs, good or bad? Well, yeah, just, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work. I, um, I chose to go to Stanford, you know, I mean, the, the ratings uh, switch all the time of who's best in what, but at the time, uh, and I, I think today, Stanford is fairly, very highly rated. Um, was Knuth still there when you were there? He was, yes, he was. Did you have class yeah. with him? He's a great guy. I had one class with him, yeah, yeah. There were some, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of great folks that I, I uh, was privileged to take some classes from, and I see some of them now and again uh, at events at the Computer History Museum. So that is uh, that is super cool because a lot of the you know the Stanford folks are are out here, obviously. So that was uh, that was nice. Yeah, that's the nice thing about the Bay Area. We tend to linger. Um, yes. <laughs> so your first job out of school, where did you go? Well, let's see. It depends what, you know, technically it was Bell Labs um, and my, wow. my, yeah, and my professor, um, the guy who inspired me, I won't give, give out his name. He actually, he's a, a venture capitalist out here now and he's a fabulous man. I thanked he and his wife many times just for inspiring me. Um, he told me about, um, you know, this program that Bell Labs had at the time, this was before the divesture and stuff, where if they accepted you at Bell Labs, um, they want you to have an advanced degree, either a master's degree or a PhD, um, but they'll uh, hire you as an undergraduate, and then the first thing they do is pretty much send you to school. Um, so I interviewed with uh, the Bell system, and I was fortunate enough to get an offer from Bell Labs, and I, I worked there for a bit, kind of an extended summer, and then they sent me, um, you know, pretty much anywhere I could get in um, for a master's degree, so I, I went to Stanford uh, for my master's degree, so Bell Labs was my, uh, my first job out of school. So this was the Bell Labs that was in Menlo Park? 
or that was no this was in new jersey this was the new so jersey I, one yeah okay yeah yeah they another friend of mine uh did that as well ah, so was, okay so yeah. they were doing it well into the the 90s i think that program it was a great program i mean uh very very special it was it was a great opportunity for me and my parents yeah, no were doubt. very thankful right <laughs> no <laughs> no master's degree bill <laughs> All right. So Bell Labs and then master's degree. And then you, did you stick around Bell Labs for a while? No, I mean, not, not because, well, yeah, I mean, they were real, they were a really great company and I, I obviously am thankful and such. Um, one of the things I learned, um, you know, they were a big company subsequent to my working with them many, many years later, right. There was the whole divestor and stuff. But um, one of the things that I, I noticed was, um, al although it was a you know a meritocracy, I think I'm sure, but um, it was it was pretty structured. Like you were a member of technical staff for four to six years, no matter how good you were, right? If you were really good, you'd be on the low end. If you were you know average, maybe on the high end, and then you got promoted to the next level. Uh, but there was just no way you could do anything you know better than four years, and and that kind of I guess just rubbed me the wrong way, right? I was like, oh, I should be able to, you know, just be judged on how how well I do and not how many years I, I put in here or there. Um, and uh, also there were personal reasons, uh, you know, I, I fell in love when I was uh, out getting my master's degree and my then uh, boyfriend or two fiance uh, was staying on the West Coast. So long story short, I did not stay at Bell Labs uh, particularly long, and uh, my next job, uh, my first job on the West Coast was with Logitech when uh, they were just getting started. They were, um, I think I was the first American they hired. It was this great company, still is a great company, that was started by um, three folks who were Europeans who met at Stanford in the master's program. They were uh, a year or so ahead of me, but I got referred to them uh, by a professor, a different professor of mine at Stanford, and so that was my that was my first position, and I, I was a <clears throat> a software engineer. Wow! So there. your first and two jobs uh, were were both at terribly ubiquitous uh, companies. As it turns out, yes, yeah. yes. Although at the time we had no idea, right, that Logitech sure. would be the success that it was. We were really you know trying anything to figure out uh you know what would stick or what would be uh you know something to grab onto and double down at as a startup company so uh yeah wow that must have been something it was, it was exciting times yeah and we had great espresso breaks right i remember 11 a.m and 2 p.m every day we had espresso breaks at logitech and i i love that <laughs> that's, that's just like a good time right there so how long exactly. before you, you made the slide over uh, and joined the dark side and became management? <laughs> to well, after, so props for that. And then what happened? Yeah. And I, you know, I love to code, right? I still do code, Tara, you know, surprisingly enough. Not a lot, but I do. I try to, to dabble here and there, um, you know, nice. and I, I enjoy it. I really, really love it. Um, but so after Logitech, um, I got, uh, you know, I wasn't there for that long, uh, even though I'm really a very loyal person. Um, I got wooed away to uh, Metaphor Computer Systems, which was a spin out of Xerox Park in the early 80s. And Another we were doing, yes, we were doing super cool stuff, right? Um, this was before the, the PC, certainly, and before any early Apples. So we were building our own hardware and 
operating systems and windowing systems and applications. Um, and I, uh, I think was employee, for some reason I, I remember this, employee 26. And I wrote a lot of the early software there. So I wrote uh, the first spreadsheet, you know, that Metaphor had as an application. I did uh, worked on some database reporting tools, a visual programming tool. Um, I, I probably was a programmer uh, at Metaphor for a couple of years. And then I actually um, did a stint for a year in product management, um, which is an interesting little story, I guess. Um, we had just uh, kind of launched the product and it was a very broad, you know, deep product. And, I, you know, I think some walls had uh, sort of built up maybe a little distrust between marketing and engineering. And uh, I was sort of um, the engineer with interpersonal skills, I, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> so I was asked to uh, go over uh, to, to marketing to kind of help out um, both lend some technical credibility and technical strength to marketing, but, you know, kind of also to help bridge the gap, right, as someone that engineering trusted. Um, so I, um, uh, I think I was a uh, technical lead uh, at Metaphor, and I went over and I was a product manager, and I did that for a year. And it was really a great experience. I mean, as an engineer, I think it only made me better, right? You know, I saw the other dark side, right? Right. Um, but and, not the darkest you know, what, side, which would be sales. It, <laughs> exactly. Well, but we need those people. We need I know, those people. I know. There. <laughs> so I did a year in, yeah, I did a year in product uh, management and, um, you know, I, I learned a lot of things. I, I, I did some specs, obviously. I uh, worked with customers. I did a little pricing, did some beta, beta site support, um, you know, and I remember contrasting, you know, with my husband, the difference at the time that I felt between product and engineering. You know, when you're in engineering, um, you know, you work on things, um, but it feels much more tangible, I guess, and in, in product, you do have a fair amount of ability, um, you know, because you're in a way responsible for a product or parts of a product or a product line, but you really don't have any authority, right? You, you a lot right. of how you get things done is through um, sort of personal, you know, power and, and, and kind of people really trusting you and believing what you say and wanting to follow you. And, so and I, I just thought that, yeah, in a way, honestly, I mean, you know, you, you've got to, know what you're talking about, hopefully, but, um, you know, there's a lot of trust. Um, but anyway, after a year as a product manager, um, I was uh, asked to come back into engineering as a manager. And, uh, you know, so that's what I did. I, I, I kind of knew after doing the technical lead work that, um, you know, I thought I was good at it. I, I enjoyed doing it. So I, I was happy to come back uh, uh, into engineering, I guess, on the dark side, as you say. And then, um, <laughs> you know, after a couple of years, I got promoted to be a director. Um, and I, I think all in all, I was at Metaphor for a very long time, almost, you know, let's say seven and a half years. And, um, you know, I left uh, when I was a director and I had a, a team of, you know, I don't know, 25 or something like that of, you know, great folks, most of which I, I still keep in uh, touch with, so. People in Silicon Valley move in packs. I've said this many times. 
no matter you are, where you are, where correct. in the valley it, it is it could be all over the world but you still tend to cling to your people yes. um so many people uh who get into engineering uh, management be they male or female often uh, will bounce back and forth between the two like they'll do management then they'll go back to individual contributor um did you do that same bounce or did you pretty much stay on the on the management path from then on I pretty much stayed on the management path. Um, it, you know, as I said, I, I still do code a little when I can. Um, and, and even as an engineering VP, when I could, I would, um, you know, try to keep my hand in things. I mean, obviously, if you're managing a team of, you know, 15, 50, whatever, you know, 300, which I had in the crazy Netscape days, if you're writing code, you're, you're probably not being a very good VP of engineering. But, um, it, you know, when I had some smaller teams, I would at least, uh, you know, hopefully be able to build the product. I would sometimes, you know, take a bug or two off the, off the queue and, and fix things. You know, you never want to be on the um, critical path, but I, I liked to, uh, you know, keep a hand in it and have some sort of appreciation for, uh, for what was going on. But I did, uh, I didn't jump back and forth. It, it was you know, I, I, I love to code, I miss it, but um, I typically would, you know, I describe myself sort of as a 49% uh, technology person and a 51% people person. You know, if you made me choose between uh, writing code locked in a room and never interacting with people or being with people all the time and never coding, you know, I, neither one is nirvana, but I, I would pick the, uh, the ladder and go more the, the people route. I, I get a lot of satisfaction from working with people and, um, you know, shipping product, helping them with their careers, just, you know, d delivering cool things that, that impact the world. Yeah, I, I kind of have to agree with you there. I certainly never look back once I made that jump. Um, so where, where, at what point did you actually make the, the next big jump, which is to VP of engineering? There are not a lot of, of us ladies in that role even, even today, and you, you hit it pretty early on as far as uh, industry timeline. It was, um, so I was at Metaphor, um, as, and I was a director of, of software, and, and I actually really loved my boss. I mean, he was a great guy, and I, I learned an awful lot at Metaphor and, you know, a, a lot about um, how to do things right. You know, a, a lot of people, I think, learn in their careers by, uh, oh, not this way, not that way, not that way. Ooh, finally this way, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and really, we, we had very uh, high quality folks at Metaphor and, and I felt I learned a lot of the right habits the first time. So I was very, very thankful for that. Um, but my boss, although he was a great guy, wasn't going anywhere. And I, I really wanted to be a VP. I thought, you know, it's time. I should be able to do it, right? I was, uh, I was hungry. Um, and, and some folks who had left Metaphor um, started to refer me um, to either, uh, you know, search folks or companies as VP of engineering. And, and so I started getting those calls and talking to a few folks. Um, and my first VP job was uh, as VP of engineering at Slate, which was in the, the pen-based computing space. Okay, yep. And what, what do you like about being a VP? Because you've been a VP a long time. So I think there are ins and outs to it that you are very yeah. familiar with at this point. Well, I mean, you know, I, I like having a, a large impact on things. I really do enjoy um, shipping product. I love building teams. I love 
working with uh, technical folks um, and you know the the VP um, position is is a great you know spot to do that in um, and and I really um, you know I, I, I think I'm a, a good uh, you know sort of manager but also leader and you know I think people who've worked for me in general um, you know would, would want to work with me again and uh, you know would say that um, I'm you know sometimes firm but fair and and they appreciate um, you know kind of my me representing them because a, a lot of you know I think in many ways engineering is a service organization right um, but um, you know it's important that um, have strong people who are happy who are you know contributing and as a as a VP or as any manager you know I think you're only as good as as your people I'm right there with you and of course I became a manager under your auspices way back when so those lessons yeah, have yeah. definitely stuck <laughs> <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about the things that you like um, is there like a, a particular favorite thing that you like about being in leadership role like as far as uh, the technology aspect of it, business influence, strategic vision, like which parts really kind of get your blood going these days? Um, I, somewhat the, the, you know, the business. D, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit all of the above. I mean, I, I love to work on products that I, I feel really will have an impact on, on people. And I do skew uh, these days more towards products that I would imagine myself using or wanting. Um, but but probably the the common uh, thread across all the the VP positions I've had is is really the people. I just you know I love building great teams and seeing people grow and learn and um, you know there's we make mistakes we get better um, but but just helping helping people achieve what they want to achieve and and delivering some great stuff along the way that hopefully help other people and, and businesses, right? At, at the end of the day, um, you know, startup companies are businesses and, you know, we need to uh, make, you know, make, make stuff that people want to buy or uh, services that, that people want, so. Yes, software would be so much easier if we didn't have to worry about customers, right? I think I've, somebody <laughs> said that at every place I've been at. So what you described actually makes a lot of sense considering that you're no longer a traditional VP of engineering the way most people would consider it, but you're kind of a gun for hire. Um, now you're at Icon Ventures. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what it's like to be a VP of engineering slash venture capitalist. Sure. Um, well, I, I feel I have a great, uh, you know, a great job. I have a great, great uh, combination of things. So I'm a, a venture partner at Icon Ventures, and um, that's sort of a, a part-time position where um, I, uh, I go to the, the partners meetings and I, um, I help source deals um, and, and sort of you know, participate on the investment team in uh, deciding which companies we wanna go forward with. Um, and uh, you know, my role primarily uh, is, is on the technical side and evaluating the technology and, and the team. Um, but then the balance of my time, um, I'm sort of a free agent, as you say, and I, I do a combination of um, some, some board positions sometimes, advisor work or mentor work. Um, but then, as you say, I do a lot of uh, VP engineering work, uh, interim CTO, interim VP of engineering. 
Um, and, and so, you know, I think my, my average uh, tenure with each company there is about six months. So you could think about um, the fact that I change jobs uh, twice a year, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, but if you look at my past, right, I, I do have a lot of long stints and a lot of loyalty. You know, I was at Collabra Software, which got, by, got bought by Netscape, got bought by AOL, and I didn't leave until right before we got bought by Time Warner. But, um, it, you know, doing the, the interim VPN works lets me um, work with a lot of uh, different startup companies, a lot of different teams, a lot of different technologies. I get to jump in and, and hopefully in a, a, a fairly short period of time, um, make things better, right? Whatever better means, you know, helping us uh, scale the team, uh, ship the product, uh, get from point A to point B. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, that. That definitely gets me up in the morning and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, and the venture capitalist and the, the interim uh, VPNs work, they work really well together. They're, they're um, synergistic in a way, right? Because, um, I, I jump into a lot of companies with a lot of different technologies and a lot of different people. So I keep very current in terms of my engineering skills and my, my network. And I, you know, some of the companies that I have helped that are um, earlier on, you know, we might end up investing in at Icon um, or some Icon companies, you know, I might end up helping out. Um, and then on the venture capital side, I, I see a broad number of companies um, and it, you know, it, it plays off the, the interim VP of engineering work. So I feel, I feel very fortunate to uh, sort of have this blended, blended model. Yeah, variety. So exactly. given, given all of that variety, how do you define success these days? Like, how do you know when you get to the end of that six months, for example, that that, oh, that worked? Well, um, it, it, you know, I think, um, the in a way one of the the litmus tests and i i've been been fortunate is um at, at the end of my interim uh vp of engineering projects and the way i the way i work is i it, you know i i'm hired by the company um as a consultant essentially right and i um i stay as long as you need me because it, it doesn't really work if you're running engineering let's say i would start somewhere on November 1 and I say, oh, you know, I'm here until January 31st, right? January 31st might be a great time for me to um, phase out, but it might be a terrible time. So um, I really stay until uh, the company doesn't need me anymore, which typically means we have hired a full-time, uh, you know, permanent VP of engineering. Um, he or she has done a transition with me. It's, you know, sadly, pretty much always a he. But um, and then and then I move on. Um, but um, all the companies I think that I've done my um, interim VP of engineering projects with have always wanted to hire me full time. Um, and, and so I, I view, you know, it's very flattering, you know, but but in a way that's that's a definition of a success. Right. If, if I can come in in six months and make enough of a difference that, um, you know, they'd want to continue to work with me for different sizes of teams and different technologies. Right. Um, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. And, and that goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, definition, a general definition of success for a manager is that people want to work for you again. Right. And that's, right. I, I hold that very dear. So it sounds like companies want to keep you around. That's a, that's kind of a higher level of definition of the same success. So what, 
advice would you give women who might want to become, you know, a, a powerhouse in high tech and are, you know, just starting out and, you know, maybe they have ideas, uh, they, they want to do the entrepreneur thing, or maybe they just feel like, you know, they want to have a career path that, that takes them in that direction. What, mm -hmm. what, do you, what would you say to them? Well, I mean, you know, you have to do what you love, right? I mean, I, um, I, I did love to code. I do love to code. Um, but um, it, you know, I think there's, it, you have to be persistent because you will, you'll, you know, I don't want to say you'll face discrimination per se, but um, it, you know, there, there sadly are still not many women in the field. Um, so you, you look around and there aren't that many people like you. Um, you know, so you need to, um, you know, maybe uh, find a mentor or, um, you know, push past that anyway. Um, but, but being persistent, I think, helps. Um, and, and having goals. I mean, I, I, I did have goals, you know, when I was an individual contributor. After a while, um, you know, I guess when after I was team lead, I thought, oh, I, I want to be a manager. And so then I wanted, I, I sort of had a goal being a manager, and then I had a goal of being a director, and then I had a goal of being a VP. So, so, so I was pretty, pretty focused that way, and, and that um, I think that that helped me um, somewhat. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I think the other thing is, even though you know I'm a big believer, um, you know, kind of goes back to you know my mother was a, a big influence on my career, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in uh, the workplace being a meritocracy and we judge by results. Um, not much anymore, Tara, but I used to be told all the time, oh, you're doing so well for your age. And that would just drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, it would drive oh, me crazy. And, and I tell you, I, I would never tell people how old I was because let's say I was 20 mumble, right? And I was this younger blonde woman and I had 40 year old guys working for me, right? And so the last thing I wanted to, you know, not only were there all men working for me, but I was this younger woman. So the last thing I wanted to hear was I was doing well for my age and I, I just didn't want that to be an issue, right? Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, the world, uh, you know, being a meritocracy, um, you know, young or old or whatever, but, but at the same time, um, it, you know, I, I think it's important that you, um, kind of master the level you're at, you know, before you jump too far, if you will. Right. I mean, um, you know, if you, if you move into management, engineering management, uh, too soon, there, there's so much value and so much good stuff you learn as an individual contributor, right, that um, you, you want to have as a manager of those individual contributors. Um, and first level management as a manager is very different than second level management as a director. Um, and, and taking some time to kind of uh, get those skills and, and that learning under your belt before you, um, you know, pop up to the to the next level, if you will, if that makes sense. Yeah, for me, certainly, you know, even though I started out management at, I believe, uh, 26, uh, I clung mm. to that frontline management for a long time. I was, a, you know, so kind of half manager, half contributor, just because of, of that very reason, I was afraid to totally let go. Um, now I've embraced it, and it's okay. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's all good. I have many smart people who can do the cool things now. And as you say, I also try to keep my hand in and, and write my little tools here and there. Um, though mostly they're around management tasks, like automating uh, bug tracking 
uh, or status updates oh, or, or things like that. Awesome. You know, <laughs> practical things. I'm an infrastructure engineer. You know, I try to solve problems. Um, yes, you've been yeah. in industry for just about as long as anybody uh, meaningful in this day and age. You've seen it, and again, not a, a alluding to any age, just that you've been fortunate in the things that you've seen. You know, you were at Xerox Park before uh, things really got going there. You saw, you know, the, the mouse originally came out of Xerox Park, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I, I was um, actually at Metaphora, which came from founders at Xerox Park. But you're right, yeah. Right. Mouse yeah, that technology and windowing technology. I mean, Xerox Park was just a wealth of innovative uh, technology, right? Right, and now we've got companies that are creating, you know, virtual reality rigs or, or augmented reality rigs. I mean, the technology has done amazing things, uh, which, you know, it, as technology will do. Um, what has sort of been your viewpoint around, you know, you still say, uh, just now you said that most of the VP of engineers that you hire to replace you into these startups are, tend to be men. Um, have you seen cycles? Uh, I've, I've seen uh, references to, you know, it used to be that we had more women, now there's less. Um, is that sort of jibe with what you've seen? Have you seen kind of this up and down, mm -hmm. this kind of stuff? I mean, what, what's, your, what's your sort of level of, of involvement with that sort of thing? It has to be frustrating from where you sit and trying to, to bring all these people on board to new companies. Yeah, no, it is. It is very frustrating. I mean, I, you know, I, I have been doing um, my interim VP of engineering work for, let's say, over 10 years. Um, so let's say, you know, two on average, it's 20 times, right? Something like that. So thinking back, um, I remember two of those 20 times I was actually able to replace myself with a woman. Sadly. Oh, sadly. That's terrible. Yeah. I know, and, and don't you think I'd want to, right? Don't you think yes, I'd want to? Yes, absolutely, I would think that. But, but in terms of the, the trends, I mean, you know, again, like when I was, when I was going to school, snudges trudging 20 miles uphill, right? Um, <laughs> there were, you know, one, two, three, four women in the classes. Um, I think it did get better, um, and there were more women. I, I think it's down again. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to have two fabulous daughters, and uh, based on talking to both of them, and, and they are both in uh, STEM, one, one just um, with a math and computer science degree, and uh, the other one is in computer engineering, and, and they, they talked about, um, you know, especially in computer science, um, you know, oh, I'm one of, one of two girls in this mechanical engineering class, or I'm one of three girls in this algorithms class. So I think it's, um, it, it's not necessarily any better um, at the moment. Um, so certainly, um, it, you know, I really do sincerely believe that diversity makes for better teams. Um, and and I, I sincerely believe women make great managers in tech. So I, I would really encourage and wish that, that more women would go into tech, that, that would stay in tech, um, you know, and, and anything I can do to help there, I, I do try to certainly give back with, um, you know, mentoring, um, you know, speaking or, you know, a lot of it is trying to lead by example because I, yeah, I don't think there's any um, silver bullet or uh, one thing about, you know, people, people ask, well, you know, what's the problem with women in tech, right? And, well, you know, is it a pipeline problem? Is it a role model issue? Is it a, you know, societal pressure, lack of support, you know, I mean, it, 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 I think it's some of all of those, right? 
-hmm. um, and, um, you know, things, you know, personally that I could do to help, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that because I, I do believe and I have seen that teams are way better uh, when they are diverse and when there are um, women, women on them. And um, it, it's hard to add diversity late in the phase, right? Like at startups, if you get a core of people that are all a certain gender or race or, or whatever, ethnicity, it, it, it kind of is a little bit clicky. And for anyone different to, to come in after maybe that team's been, uh, you know, moving and shaking for three years, it's tough. So I would yeah, encourage and doing established. It, it is. And, and so for startups, I'm, I'm involved in, um, you know, trying to get that diversity in sooner. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, personally, I would never want to be hired for a job just because I was a woman, right? It, it's a meritocracy in my mind. I mean, um, I want to be selected because I'm the best candidate. If there are two candidates and we are equally good, right, and you want to hire me because I am a woman, okay, that might be okay with me. But, um, you know, lowering the bar because I'm a woman, you know, personally is not okay with me. Um, yeah. So I, I would just, you know, encourage more women because, you know, we're certainly as bright as, uh, as anyone out there, you know, to hopefully um, stick with math, stick with computer science. You know, there, there's a, a bright future there. I mean, it's a lot of fun and um, a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, women in management, I think, is terrific, as, as you are a fabulous example, Tara. So. Oh, shush. I'm working on it. <laughs> so I have, a, I have an embarrassing thing to admit, and this is terrible, and you're going to feel ill of me. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I've never actually been to the Tech Museum. Uh, oh, the Computer History Museum? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, the computer, which is different than the Tech Museum. I have, yeah, I have never been to the Computer much. History Museum. And I'm curious. Oh, you have to go. Uh -huh. I know I need to go and I feel like maybe we should have like a team offsite there or something. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering, is there like a particular category for the history of women in computer science at the History Museum? Well, um, yes and no. I mean, um, so we have a permanent um, exhibit called uh, Revolution, which uh, chronicles um, sort of uh, computing through the ages. Um, and uh, it, it's more hardware focused and we are working on a new uh, make software exhibit um, that will be um, you know coming soon in january of next year um, and and the permanent exhibits don't focus on men or on women you know it's it, mm -hmm. it, it is what it is right um, but you know certainly in um, you know there are some exhibits that 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 have um, you know, snippets featuring women, and we do a lot of oral histories um, as well to capture that, um, you know, experience and, and such of people, you know, while they're still with us and such. And we have done, um, like, for example, a special exhibit um, earlier this year uh, regarding Ada Lovelace. Um, so we will do, um, you know, and, and that focused on women in computing. Absolutely. And of course, Grace Hopper is going on uh, this week, if I recall correctly. And sadly, I wasn't able to exactly. go. But uh, yes, I, suppose, yeah. I don't suppose you guys have an ENIAC uh, in there somewhere, probably a little too small to host uh, such a yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, 
No, we've got some. We've got Cray. I mean, you should go. You would love it. It's all right. Uh, all right. It's I'm super going. Fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Well, I want to thank you again. This has been a real honor to be able to sit and talk with you. It has been way too long, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I uh, hope to stay in touch, and uh, thank you again. You've been listening to Women Who Code Radio. For more information about today's episode or to ask questions or submit ideas for future topics, check out our show notes at womenwhocoderadio.blogspot.com. To learn more about Women Who Code, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, go to the main website, womenwhocode.org, or you can follow them on Twitter at Women Who Code. I'm Tara Hernandez at Tequila Rista on Twitter, and thanks for listening.